And welcome once again to the Disability Law Show. The uh, way to reach out, simple, one 821 5900 You have the option of email, help at disabilityrights.ca as well. Lots to get through today, including something called the Pocket Employment Lawyer. We will touch on that. In fact, we'll talk uh, pretty in-depth about that in just a little bit, Savan. But first, as always, uh, we start the show off with the, uh, the week that was. you got a couple things you want to talk about. What's going on, pal? Absolutely, John. Uh, another very, very busy week. And of course, you know, people know that we have a Vancouver office, so I spent yep. some time there. Uh, so I talk to people in BC, but also all throughout Ontario. We help people with disability claims against their insurance companies uh, all over Ontario. So let me start with an email I received from a lady, uh, and it's about her long-term disability claim. And I'm seeing more and more of these situations arise. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of the listeners uh, will, will nod their head when, when they hear this. So here's what she writes. She says, I was approved for long-term disability effective approximately uh, July 10th, 2019 due to depression. My doctor has provided very detailed information, including historical bouts of depression and anxiety. At the end of October, I was advised by my adjudicator, that's the adjuster at the insurance company, that I was approved on a month-to-month basis and that I have to meet with their occupational therapist or be cut off. I'm still waiting for a referral from my doctor to get a psychologist for treatment. Every time they contact me, she's referring to the adjuster, my stress level goes way up and I start to panic. I have antidepressants for years uh, and COPD medication as well. Do you have any advice for me? So what I want to zoom on in, uh, zoom in on here is this idea that insurance companies now, and again, I'm getting this more and more from people, they're telling individuals on long-term disability that you're approved, but it's month to month. Uh, so what that creates, as you can imagine, is is sheer panic for individuals because yep. imagine, John, if you were told that you know uh, your check, your your income will come in, but we're going to reevaluate that month to month. There's no predictability there. What do you do with a mortgage? What do you do with kids' expenses? I mean, how do you live not knowing that you're going to continue getting payments uh, for the duration of you being on disability? And, you know, what people need to understand is that all long-term disability policies uh, contain a criteria that you have to meet in order to actually be uh, qualified to get LTD. And, and, And that criteria, generally speaking, in the vast majority of policies, is that you have to be disabled from doing substantial aspects of your job within the first two years of LTD and uh, substantial aspects of any occupation, any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience beyond the two-year mark. So implicit in that is that, of course, the insurance companies continues to evaluate whether you meet those criteria as they continue to receive medical documentation from you so long as you are on the claim. Mm But the change here, it's it's the way that these adjusters are now uh, um, presenting it to, to claimants. They're saying, you are on a month-to-month. Well, really, at the end of the day, nothing's changed. You're always on a month-to-month, or you're always only going to get LTD so long as you're able to show medically that you're unable to do your own occupation or any occupation under the test. But this idea that you are now being reevaluated every month, month after month, 
it, it, it's it's just sending people into a panic. So I want to calm people down. Nothing has changed, okay? As long as you are unable to do your job or your occupation or any occupation, again, depending where where you are in the in the time period of the policy. Right. So long as your doctors back you up, whether it's your psychologist, your psychiatrist, your orthopedic surgeon, your family doctor, whoever's treating you, so long as they are saying that you're unable to perform substantial aspects of your job, that you cannot do your occupation or any occupation, you should continue getting paid. Don't be intimidated and don't be bullied by the insurance company telling you that you are under a microscope. You know, they are doing that again, John. I, I, it makes me angry because it sends people into a panic. And it sends people into this, you know, sort of this, this cycle in their minds that, you know, I'm being watched and the insurance company is just going to, you know, any day now they're going to stop uh, paying me. I'm right. not going to get the money to my account. Listen, the way this works is that you rarely have I heard from someone who tells me I didn't get my benefits last month and I just got a letter in the mail saying I'm cut off benefits. That's not the way it generally works. Generally, if you get approved for long-term disability, the insurance company, if they want to cut you off, they will tell you, they will give you a future date. It could be a few weeks from now, a few months from now. I've seen it as far as a year from now where they'll tell you on so-and-so date, your benefits will stop unless something happens, unless you show us more medical documents or whatever. So usually it's forward-looking. It's not uh, backwards-looking. So don't be concerned by that. Nothing really has changed when the insurance company says to you, we're going to evaluate your claim month to month. That's what they do anyways. They've always done that. It's just now they're phrasing it in a way that sends people into this panic mode. Don't be panicked as long as you are disabled and can't work and you got the medical backup for that from your doctors, the insurance company cannot touch you. And if they do, we will be there. You just give me a call, email me, email anyone on my team. Trust me, we will make sure the insurance companies either continue to pay you or that if we start a legal claim against them, that we resolve your claim in its entirety. So, so don't do not do not freak out. You know your rights are not extinguished. You have these rights; they're enshrined in the policy. We can help you enforce those rights if the insurance company does something wrong. Reaching out is uh, simple: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred and help at disabilityrights.ca. Reach out through email. We'll get to some throughout the show a little later on today. Good opening salvo, my friend. We'll get to more a week that was. I know there's another matter you want to talk about, and then the three things you should do if your LTD insurance company says that you must. Try to go back to work, but you're not ready yet. We'll cover that as well. Lots more on the way. Just getting warmed up. The Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show continues. Want to get a hold of Savan, member of the team? Simple. Know this number, 1-855-821-5900. Disabilityrights.ca is the website. You can catch past shows and find where you can catch our TV show as well. And if you'd like to send along an email, which we get to a bunch every show as well, help at disabilityrights.ca. So back to the week that was. You had another matter you want to discuss, right? Yes. Yep. So one of the websites that you and I keep talking about on the show is mydisabilityquestions.com. And that's a free website that we created years ago. And it's been used, I think, literally thousands of times. Mm-hmm. And you can just go there if you have a question about your long-term disability situation or case. Uh, or if you know someone, tell them about it. If they're dealing with their insurance company, they don't know what to do. It, it's a free website. It's anonymous. Uh, you know, it asks you for just you know to post your question, and then I answer that question in real time again for free. And if you go to that website, uh, you can actually browse the questions or or search by keyword. So let me go to one of those questions. This this comes from somebody in Milton, okay. and here's what this person wrote. 
My insurance company cut me off from my benefit payments three months ago. I sent them a doctor's note, and they reinstated the benefits. By the way, that's very unusual. No kidding. But that, this is what happened here. Yeah. As soon as they reinstated the benefit payments, they have asked me to have an independent medical assessment mm-hmm. with them. Yep. Can you please advise if I can refuse and what the repercussions are? So the answer is, uh, yes, you can refuse. But uh, under the policy, under pretty much almost every long-term disability policy I have ever reviewed, there is an obligation on a claimant to go see an insurance doctor or expert at the request of the insurance company. Now, the insurance company can't abuse that. They can't have you seen five different psychologists because, you know, they're doctor shopping for an opinion. But if they tell you that they want you to see someone for an independent medical assessment, by the way, the word independent, completely wrong. I mean, it's nonsense. It's not independent. It's somebody the insurance company is paying to try and get an opinion that favors them. Of course. But whatever. They're calling it an independent medical assessment. You do have an obligation under the policy to go to that assessment. Now, what generally happens when you go to these assessments? Well, they usually don't take much, you know, very much time. Uh, a lot of people report to me that they feel rushed by the assessor uh, when, when they when they end up getting uh, correspondence from the insurance company after the assessment. A lot of times they find that that assessor has given the insurance company an opinion that is contrary to the yep. treating doctors. Mm-hmm. They're treating the individual. So in other words, you have somebody who is uh, depressed and anxious and is off disability for mental health issues. That person can have a psychologist, psychiatrist, uh, family doctor, Everyone's saying this person is unable to work, disabled, and yet this one assessor, the insurance company, had this person seen for an hour, comes up with an opinion that, no, this person is not that disabled and can go back to work. Okay? Complete nonsense. But insurance companies often pay for these assessments because they expect positive results for them, something they can lean on to justify them cutting you off. And again, don't panic. Don't panic because really if that happens, first of all, you should call me immediately or contact us and we'll tell you in your particular situation how to deal with that situation. Every every case is different. Every person's disability claim is unique. Uh, and we can give you specific information, again, for free. You don't have to worry about paying us for any of that. It's all free information. But what's important is that you ask the adjuster for a copy of that report or that opinion you 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 scan it because I guarantee you you will find errors, factual errors. Uh, many people tell me that when they look at these kinds of reports from insurance assessors, they find out that the medical history is inaccurate. They find out that the the assessor reports that uh, the individual said or did something that the individual did not say or do during the assessment. So you can poke holes at these assessments, which undermines the insurance company's decision to potentially cut you off. Uh, and and moreover, you should give that report or or opinion to your own doctors and have your doctors rebut those, right? Get get reports that that you know from your own treating practitioners that undermine this assessor's opinion because oftentimes these assessors again are they're hired guns by the insurance yeah. companies. It's unfortunate that you know the, the government doesn't do anything about this, but there are ways to fight back. This is what we do. We we fight back each and every day about with these kinds of situations. So to this individual here from Milton who wrote this question, you know the fact that they cut off her payment uh, payment three months ago and then reinstated and now want her to see a doctor, I think they're priming her case for a cutoff situation, yep. but they want to have the backup, and their backup they're hoping will come from this 
independent quote-unquote assessor well guess what John again if this lady is truly unable to work and her doctors are saying she's unable to work I don't care what that hired gun ends up saying I know that if I start a legal claim against an insurance company I can force them to the table and to pay my client what my client is owed so never ever be bullied by the insurance company never ever feel that you are powerless it's all an illusion you have a lot more power than you think you do I repeat that like a parrot almost every show and oftentimes John people tell me after we achieve settlements they tell me I never actually thought that this would happen to me and I really never thought that I could that you could force the insurance right. company to actually pay me what I'm owed and yeah. we're talking about usually six-figure type settlements yep. Well, the reason for that is because I used to work for insurance companies. I understand how they operate. They are profit-generating entities. They are there for one purpose only, which is not to protect you, but to make sure they make as much money for themselves and their shareholders, if they have any, as possible. That is the business model. So very, very important to understand. We can help you if this happens to you, but you have to make sure to contact us because if we don't know about your situation, we can't help you. We'll uh, take a short break, get uh, lots more on the way here. If you have any questions you want to uh, talk to Savannah off air, you can do so. 1 855 821 5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to that. And the pocket employment lawyer, that's just ahead as well. Stick around. Lots more Disability Law Show is on the way. This is Global News Radio. Disability Law Show, we are right back at it. Savannah Tamarkin is uh, taking the uh, taking the questions and giving you the information. You want to reach out anytime, you can go to help at disabilityrights.ca or simply the website disabilityrights.ca. We'll give you a link to past radio shows, the TV show as well. And the phone number also works, one 855 you know, that last week that was you were talking about and, uh, you know, the insurance company sending your client that, or at least a question from that uh, listener from Milton saying being sent by an independent, uh, you know, examiner by the insurance company. You mentioned two things. Uh, it was rushed or it can be rushed, which I could see being an advantage to you and the client because this person didn't spend much time, even if they saw them in person. Number two, being sent to an excess, uh, to an assessment is okay. Them forcing you to go to their own medical practitioner is not okay. Is that correct? That's exactly correct. That's exactly correct. And this happens again quite often. And, you know, it's interesting to me that uh, there are some people out there that uh, when they are faced with this, they actually reach out to us and say, is this right? Is this fair? Do I have to do this? So let's just talk about this really quickly, John, because I want to make sure people who haven't heard us talk about this issue really understand it. There is a difference between the insurance company, your long-term disability insurer, instructing you to see one of their practitioners, doctor, non-doctor, whoever it is, for an assessment. That's the key word, an assessment, versus for treatment. The insurance company cannot force you to go for treatments at their own designated clinic or to a designated doctor Mm -hmm. unless your policy specifically says that they have a right to say that or to tell you to do that. I have yet to see any policy, any LTD policy, that gives the insurance company to dictate who you have to get treatments from. And frankly, I don't know how practically viable that would be, especially when you're dealing with different geographical areas, right? I mean, you know, I've actually seen one time where the insurance company has asked an individual to travel four hours for psychological treatments. Just imagine that. The person every week would have to go there. It's insane. But there is another reason why uh, you should not actually even take the insurance company's advice, even if they haven't dictated that to you. Uh, 
some people want to comply with insurance companies' demands. They don't want to, you know, make the insurance company angry. The adjuster angry. Well, let me play this out to you. If the insurance company says, we don't want you to get psychological treatments or chronic pain treatments from Dr. X, we want you instead to go Dr. Y, consider why are they asking you to go to Dr. Y? What is the benefit to them? At the end of the day, if they're not paying for the treatments, if it's OHIP, for example, well, why do they care? Mm -hmm. If they are paying for the treatments, well, why don't you pay Dr. X? Why are you paying Dr. Y? Right? Generally, they all sort of charge the same types of rates. Well, the only reason for why they would want you to see Dr. Y is because clearly Dr. Y knows who he or she has allegiance to. There is an inherent conflict, in my view, when a doctor gets uh, uh, patients referred to him or her from the insurance company. Because if I'm that doctor and I, I earn my living by treating individuals coming from who the insurance company sends me, I want to make sure the insurance company is happy. And one way to, for me to make the insurance company happy is to treat the individual and eventually provide reports, opinions, and records that reflect to the insurance company that the person, the person is now able to go back to work. So what happens in some instances, I end up getting emails and calls from individuals who have gone to Dr. Y at the behest of the insurance company for treatments, and then three months later, Dr. Y suddenly says to the individual, I think you can go back to work. I'm going to report to the insurance company that I think you are better or well enough to go back to work. And what happened in that situation? Well, then the person freaks out because they're not able to go back to work. They call me and they say, Dr. Y said that. I don't know what to do. And I tell them, well, there are certain strategies we can employ now to counteract that, but you should not have gone to that individual in the first place. And again, I don't know, maybe Dr. Y is phenomenal at what he or she does. Maybe they're an amazing doctor, but the mere fact that the insurance company told you to go to Dr. Y, to me, that is suspicious because I have seen it on quite a few occasions when this Dr. Y ends up giving an opinion that is really contrary to the truth, that is simply helpful to the insurance company because they know where their bread is buttered. That's the reality. I mean, let's just not fool uh, ourselves here. Insurance companies have an agenda, and when they want you to go to that individual doctor or clinic, it's because they know they're potentially going to get a benefit from that. No different than if they tell you to go to a particular mechanic to get your car fixed. They know they have preferred pricing, or they know that they, they have something, there's something in it for them. Otherwise, why do they care? So what do you do instead? What is the alternative? I'll tell you, it's very simple. If you know someone a doctor, a clinic that you've used before or a friend used before has recommended, try them first. See if they can help you. And frankly, you should speak with your own primary care physician, your family doctor. Get a referral from your own family doctor. I mean, they will potentially or presumably give you a referral to someone that they trust, right? I actually think that that is a much better alternative. I think at the end of the day, you want to make sure whoever's treating you is at arm's length from the insurance company because at the end of the day, if there is a conflict between you and the insurance company, you do not want that doctor caught in the middle. You don't want to use Dr. Y because Dr. Y presumably will be predisposed to helping the insurance company and not you. So that's my advice. I'm glad we got this uh, you know, on the air, John. Yeah, We're right. going to talk about this on and on because mm-hmm. this is becoming a very prevalent issue in almost every jurisdiction that we deal with. 
PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. We're going to uh, dig deeper into that after a uh, short break, so stick around for that. In the meantime, reaching out, 1-855-821-5900, help at DisabilityRights.ca and DisabilityRights.ca. The website is a good place for past shows, more resources on what we talk about and how you can find the TV show that we do uh, as well. It's a disability law show. Lots more is on the way here on Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show. You want to uh, get a hold of Savan or the team, do so. Keep this number written down, one 821 5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca. Something very cool that is uh, brand new, and I know you and, and Lior are really proud of this one. It's called Pocket Employment Lawyer. You can reach it at pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And as the title would suggest, deals with all kinds of things. There's tools to be used by you. It's uh, really simple. It's like Lego to navigate this thing. Got the severance pay calculator, uh, termination for cause. You have questions about whether you're an independent contractor, uh, constructive dismissal, human rights violations, so on and so on. But also halfway down, there is a robot piece about long-term disability, my friend. Tell me all about it. John, this is amazing. So we launched this, I think it was maybe a few weeks ago or yep. a month or two ago, something like that. About We've it. gotten so many people using it. It's absolutely crazy. Remember, uh, there's a lot of people out there who simply do not want to contact us or any lawyer for that matter. They want to Google their answers. Now, I, listen, I'm guilty of that too, okay? I, I have a cold that's a bit unusual. I'll Google the symptoms even though doctors tell us time and time again do not do that. And I will tell you that when it comes to legal information as well. You, there's so much garbage that is being put out there and false information, false facts. It, it's just it, you're going to do yourself a disservice. But we also understand that some people want to uh, learn a bit more about their own situation before contacting us or any lawyer for that matter, both on the employment side and the long-term disability side. So I'll give credit to Lior, my partner here. Uh, I almost never do that, but I will do it (laughs) in this instance. The pocket employment lawyer is genius because what it's done really, I think, is revolutionize the employment employment law sort of world, uh, you know, we came up with a severance calculator, severance pay calculator for people to calculate their own severance, uh, where before you would have had to go to a lawyer and they would have charged you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars for that information. You could do it on the spot. Well, the pocket employment lawyer is the next step in the progression of making this legal information available to the public. And you're right, John, it contains not only information uh, that is accessible to the public at no charge for free. Uh, about employment law, but also about long-term disability. And and, and again, you know, all you do is you just uh, click on some answers there. You don't actually input anything. Uh, certainly, you don't have to put your name or anything. It's all anonymous if you if you want it kept that way. But by, by by filling in some some categories or clicking some some options depending on your situation, you'll get a fairly quick analysis of your individual case. And if you want to get some more information from us uh, specific to your individual situation and what your legal options are, you can feel free to contact us, but you don't have to. So again, the pocket employment lawyer is a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. Now, here's the logic with including also the long-term disability okay. component in there. Many individuals have issues with their employer, and those issues arise within the context of a disability or a medical illness or an injury or a combination of both. And so what happens in many instances, and we see this all the time, is that people have issues not only with their employer, with respect to their employment situation, but with respect to their insurance company, the LTD insurer. And so people come to us because we're a very unique firm. We deal with both employment matters and long-term disability matters, as well as injury matters Mm -hmm. for that matter. 
we have lawyers that do everything and we all you know talk about those cases collectively and, and man I, so essentially you're getting you know two for the price of one right because if you go to just an employment lawyer off uh, to some office where that's all they do but you have a disability issue they won't be equipped necessarily to deal with both issues and vice versa you go to a disability lawyer who doesn't understand employment law they won't understand the interaction and there is an interaction so this pocket employment lawyer and John you can give that website again pocket employment lawyer that tool allows you to figure out information about your own situation without contacting us both in the employment context or long-term disability context or both I strongly urge you even if you have nothing that requires an analysis you're not disabled there's nothing wrong with your employment situation you may know someone who may have use for that tool or to just go to it to get some preliminary information about their situation I urge you please tell others about this because it's 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 a completely new thing and it's really taken you know everything by storm here it's so useful People are just loving it. We see it because we get people contacting us each and every day, That's praising right. uh, th- th- this this new uh, uh, online tool. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca is where it can be found. Yeah, have a look at it. Spend some time on it. And uh, like Savannah said, it's completely anonymous. You don't leave your name. There's no place to put a credit card, even if you wanted to. It is absolutely free. And if you choose to carry on, you think, okay, this is some good baseline information. And I'd like to talk a little more to uh, Lior or Savannah about something you can do. So not only is the phone number in the top right corner, there's also a little yellow contact button, and it'll send you off to the uh, the next step. Again, PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. We spent enough time on that sucker. We're going to get into this after after a uh, short break here and that is the three things you should do if your ltd insurance company says you must try to go back to work and you know you are not ready yet that is coming up so stick around for it 1-855-821-5900 and help at disabilityrights.ca it's the disability law show lots more is coming up stick around right here Global News Radio. The Disability Law Show. Welcome back. If you're sticking around, we got to the point where we want to discuss some things and get your emails as well. By the way, you want to send one along, we'd love to have it. And uh, read it out on air, get you some answers. Help at disabilityrights.ca. But first, though, we've been uh, waiting to do this for all show. I want to get into it. And that is the three things you should do if your LTD disability uh, insurance company says that you must try to go back to work and you are not ready yet. The number, uh, the first one you sent me this is, is this, uh, Savannah. Get letters from your doctors explaining why you're not ready to go back to work and send those to the adjuster, right? That's right. Remember, your doctors or your treating practitioners, and I, I, I differentiate between the two because it's not just people with an MD degree, a medical right. doctor degree. It's a psychologist with a PhD. It's an occupational therapist. It's a chiropractor. Whoever you have that is treating you, collectively, those mm-hmm. individuals are going to be helpful to your case and they're going to act as a shield if not a sword against the insurance company if of course they conclude uh, on their own that you're unable to work and I say that because you know when I used to work John for insurance companies and I would get letters from doctors saying that a person can't work or there are issues and and you know when it came time to investigate this a bit more I would learn that the lawyers would be dictating to the doctor mm-hmm. what to say yeah. we do not do that we do not have a reputation with insurance companies uh, uh, for doing that and that's very important that goes to the whole reputational issue we want to make sure that if a doctor writes a letter in favor of our clients case meaning the doctor says that the person cannot go back to work that that is the doctor's opinion and I think there's a lot of doctors out there probably would nod their head you know their heads and, and appreciate that because the last thing I want to do is tell a doctor here's what you need to write no 
I tell the doctor, here are my questions to you. One of the questions are, what is your diagnosis? Another, another question is, what's your prognosis? Yeah. If essentially I hear from the doctor that the doctor says, uh, or the treating provider says, this person is unable to go back to work because of so-and-so, this is my opinion. If you can get those letters and give those to the adjuster, you have just undermined the adjuster's mm-hmm. position and, and, and the adjust, you've taken the wind out of their sails if they're saying that they think you're able to go back to work. So remember, getting those letters from your doctors, treating providers, the more you get of those, the more recent they are, the more uh, there's a direct uh, uh, correlation between getting those and, and, and weakening the insurance company's position that you are ready to go back to work. So those are absolutely crucial, and that's why it's the number one thing you need to do if the insurance company tells you, you must go back to work and you're not ready, this is what you do. You go to your doctors, you get these letters, you give those to the adjuster. Number two is this, and similar, email your adjuster and explain why you don't feel that you're ready to go back to work yet either. Well, that's right, exactly. And again, I want to digress for one second. Uh, It's very important for people to understand, if you are able to go back to work or you think you are ready to try to go back to work, then sure, do it as long as you have medical clearance. Again, One thing that differentiates us and our lawyers, John, from many other lawyers that unfortunately I know of and I know personally even, is that they will literally tell their clients to stay at home because that will somehow increase the value of their claim, right? Don't try to go back to work. I I heard this a lot throughout the years in car accident claims. You know, people would be off work. uh, They would be ready to potentially try to go back, but their lawyers would say, no, 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 stay at home because, you know, insurance companies, uh, they're going to pay you more. That's nonsense. Insurance companies are sophisticated entities. They have defense lawyers. Many of them are colleagues of mine. I used to be a long time ago a defense lawyer. We can smell bull a mile away. Okay, don't 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 do this. It's not going to help your case, and it's not going to help your credibility. If you are able to go back to work or try to go back to work, you should do it. But if you are not ready to go back to work, the first thing, like we discussed, get letters from your doctors saying why they think medically you are unable to go back to work. But at the same time, that second point is make sure you relate to the adjuster exactly why you don't feel you as the claimant, you don't feel you're ready to go back to work. And you don't do this by phone, or you can do this by phone, but make sure you follow up in writing, by email. You want there a record of you stating to the adjuster unequivocally, here's why I don't feel that I am ready. I have reviewed, John, a few weeks ago, a lady who came to me. I've reviewed some of the emails she had sent uh, to, to her adjuster. This was in British Columbia. Uh, and the adjuster was really, really you know, forcing her, even threatening her with cutting off her benefits and saying, if you don't do this, we are going to uh, cut you off benefits. And this lady wrote a very big email back, mm-hmm. uh, long email. Not only did she include letters from her doctors, but she itemized really the reasons why she can't go back to work. And she's explaining, here's where I feel the pain. Here's what my day looks like most of the time. You know, here are the medications that I'm on. Now, a lot of these things, obviously, the adjuster would already be aware of because the adjuster would have had this medical yes. information. But by this lady literally putting everything in writing and explaining her concerns with the adjuster trying to force her back to work, she has now enshrined in the record something that could become a landmine for the insurance company mm-hmm. should they cut her off. Because if they cut her off and three months down the road, six months down the road, a year down the road, we get involved, I'm going to tear the adjuster to shreds 
just using that email. I'm going to put that you know, to the adjuster when I examine the adjuster, and I'm going to say, why did you ignore that? And as well as in the context of what the doctors were saying, why did you ignore that? The adjuster is not going to have anything to respond. They're not able to respond to anything substantively here. So, so it's very important that you make sure that not only do you provide updated letters from your doctors or your treating practitioners as to why you cannot go back to work to the adjuster, but you also email the adjuster a thorough uh, uh, email that explains why you don't feel that you're able to, at this particular moment in time, to go back to work. Three things you should do if your LTD insurance company says you must try to go back to work, you're not ready. The last one, third and final one, we'll get it in here just before we break, and that is uh, quite simply document all your communications with the adjuster in writing. Keep it all. Keep it all. Keep it all. This is something that James, when he's on the show, he talks about, my partner. Uh, this is, again, very important. And, and, you know, it's one thing for you to write to the adjuster why you can't go back to work, why you feel you can't. It's another thing for you to continue recording or making sure that there is a documentary record of the conversations and interactions you're having with the adjuster. Because remember, we want to make sure that there is context. In a way, you are taking a... a, a you're putting in place preventive measures yep. that will help you down the road if they cut you off. So you want to make sure that if the adjuster has been trying to force you to go back to work for the last year, you want to make sure that you continuously, after every conversation you have with them, uh, that, you know that you basically uh, email them saying, here's what you told me on the phone, here's what I replied back, I'm reiterating that I want to go back to work, but I'm not ready yet. And my doctors don't think I'm ready yet. If you have enough of those throughout the course of time, if they end up cutting you off, look what's happened now. Now we have a documentary record that spans weeks, months, maybe even years. That is very powerful. Very, very powerful. And add to that the fact that many adjusters are delinquent in responding to your emails. Well, think about this way. Let's say you have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten emails where you've sent the adjuster throughout the last year explaining the difficulties with you going back to work at this point in time. And imagine that in most of those occasions, the adjuster never replied back. Right. That looks very badly on them, right? Because sure. in, in, in a way, you can argue that by them not responding, they're agreeing with what you're saying, right? At the very least, it leaves this absence. There is a one-way dialogue here, which again, from a legal standpoint, puts you in a much stronger position gotcha. against the insurance company. So you make sure you document all your communications with the adjuster in writing. We'll take a short break and bounce over to your emails. Uh, that email address, by the way, which we use is help at disabilityrights.ca. And the phone number, one 821 5900 This is the Disability Law Show. It's on Global News Radio. Stick around. The Disability Law Show. You want to send an email along? That's the part of the show where we get to those. It is uh, help at disabilityrights.ca. The phone number anytime, one 821 5900 And quite simply, disabilityrights.ca is the website. There you can pa- find past radio shows, listen to those. And find our TV show as well. Dana, up next, first email says, uh, Savannah, I was initially denied long-term disability a year ago, and I appealed it twice. Nothing is happening, and I have to call repeatedly to get anyone on the phone at the insurance company. I went to a lawyer who asked for a $5,000 retainer to do anything, and I don't have that kind of money. Makes sense. Uh, I'm about to be evicted from my home, and I don't know what to do. Can you please help me? Yes, absolutely, Dan. And I'm very sorry you're going through what you're going through. You know, 
John, I, this is not unusual. Uh, I mean, what's unusual is for people to go to a lawyer with a long-term disability claim and then get asked for a retainer yeah, no up kidding. front. And I've seen this several times just in the last month. Uh, it infuriates me because these individuals have no money, right? <laughs> They've just been cut off long-term disability. They haven't worked. It's very, very onerous on them. L- let me just tell you this. The vast majority of lawyers that do what I do, in fact, every good lawyer that I know that does what I do, does not ask for any money up front. No. Nothing. But, you know, they even go further than that. They do what I do, which is to tell you that if we lose, if we lose for whatever reason and we're not successful, despite telling you you have a case, you have to pay us nothing. Absolute zero. So for a lawyer to say to someone like that in that position, you got to pay me five grand up front, one of two things are happening here. Either that lawyer doesn't know what they're doing Okay, it's not their field. Yeah. They're used to work in some kind of a field where they do get retainers. I don't know, maybe commercial litigation or maybe a real estate or family law, whatever. Or or that lawyer has zero faith in your case and is trying to make a quick buck. Those are the only Brutal. two possibilities that I can see. Okay, Now, let me go to Dana's email directly now. She got denied long-term disability a year ago and she appealed it twice and nothing happened. What do we say here on the show, John? Each and every show. These appeals are useless. I'm never going to come out and say to you that appeals never, ever, ever, ever work. That's nonsense. Of course, that in some circumstances, they may work. But you know what? If I go to Vegas, if I go enough times, maybe at some point I will win. You know, a jackpot, whatever. Maybe I'll get struck by lightning. These things do happen. But in my experience, the vast majority of people out there, when they appeal these decisions and then speak to me afterwards, they tell me how much of a waste of time that was. And here's what happened with Dana. She was denied a year ago. She appealed it twice, got rejected twice. Probably gave them all the information they needed to show that she's disabled. But why would they reject her twice? Why would they deny the appeals? Because they can. It doesn't cost them anything. Maybe a stamp to put the letter in the mail. So understand, these insurance companies, as long as you don't apply pressure on them, and by pressure I mean monetary pressure, I'll get to that in a second, they are simply going to reject your appeals because there's no reason not to reject them, okay? If we had gotten involved in Dennis' case a year ago, and I would have had a denial letter, and I would have had the medical documents saying that she's disabled, I would have resolved that case most likely in probably the first six months. Maybe a bit longer, maybe a bit less. I've resolved, you know, LTD claims within weeks. I've resolved claims, uh, you know, within six months to a year. Generally, that's how long it typically takes us. But but the thing is this: she waited. So now I will get involved. My team will get involved. We'll resolve the case for her. But she's just delayed the resolution by a year. And again, I understand she thought that this appeal process was a legitimate process. It's not. I mean, it's legitimate to the extent that the insurance company says, we will review your case. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they take a look for another five seconds at your case, the stuff you sent them, and then issue another denial. Yeah. The reason why legal claims are so powerful against insurance companies is because once we start that claim process, the insurance company has to defend it. Two things happen that don't happen with an appeal. Two crucial things. The first thing that happens is the insurance company now understands that if the case doesn't resolve uh, between us and them on mutually agreeable terms, 
they're going to end up in court and a judge is going to make the decision as to whether or not they have to pay. Insurance companies hate taking those odds. They don't like those odds because they know that they can easily lose in court. Mm -hmm. And frankly, when a judge is faced between an insurance company and an individual who's disabled, who do you think a judge is going to presumably go for or have sympathy for? Okay. So that's number one. Okay. The decision maker is no longer the insurance company if we start a legal claim. That's one big difference between an appeal and a legal claim. The second one, which is as crucial, is that once we start the legal claim, they have to hire a defense lawyer. Either internally, someone who works for them has to get that claim to defend, or they got to hire an outside lawyer the way that I used to work for insurance companies. What does that mean? It means now they are expending money in dealing with your case. Now you're no longer just a file on the adjuster's shelf. Now you have a lawyer that's an expensive individual member of your team or a firm that you have to pay to. So they're bleeding money now defending your case. And they want to stem the bleed. And the way you stem the bleed, the way you cut your losses, is coming to the table and trying to resolve it with us. That Those two things are extremely powerful levers. They, they, they change the dynamic of the case. You know, some people say that if you come to us, some lawyers say, if you come to us, you know, we will even the playing field between you and the insurance company. Yeah. When I when I told you know when I was chatting with James about that, he actually said something that, that I never even thought about. But I thought you know after he said that is that's brilliant. When we get involved, we're not going to even the playing field. We're going to tilt it in your favor because we understand the pressure points yeah. the insurance company has. Once we press those, that's how we get them to the table to try and resolve the case. So very important to understand. Been another uh, good show, brother. We'll uh, we'll leave it there for now. We'll pick it up again with a lot more questions and emails as well. You want to reach out now that we're done for uh, this particular show. Till free, of course, is one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. You want to send an email like Dana did, help at disabilityrights.ca. The website is disabilityrights.ca. Once you're there, you can get more information by what we talk about uh, every week, and you'll have a link and contact as well for uh, past radio shows and how to find the TV show as well. And if you've never used it, we talked about a few segments ago and that is pocketemploymentlawyer.ca including employment law of course as the title would say there is a robust uh, section there on disability law so we implore you to uh, at least have a quick look a cursory glance at it maybe do some uh, some hanging around on the website and see if it's any good for you if you want to just walk away anonymous there's the phone number on the top as well plus there is a contact button at the top right other than that you just walk away and have the knowledge in your head and uh, it's absolutely free as well pocketemploymentlawyer.ca till next time this has been the disability law show on global news radio